0: All right, so that is awesome. That is totally my fault. Sorry, sound guys. Uh, so, we're so excited for what God is doing with this pastoral search. And we know that God has chosen the person that He wants already. And so, we're just going to go through the paces of finding that person. So, thank you for continuing to pray. So I am super excited to be here today, and so if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 12 and Acts chapter 2, and we'll get there in a little bit, but feel free to keep a finger in those spots or a thumb on those spots if you're using your phones. And welcome to those of you who are at home, and we hope you can follow along the same way. And we have this amazing app. If you like apps and you like to take notes on our apps, there's actually a note section that follows right through our outline, and so you can join along that way and then keep track of all the notes you keep for all of the sermons throughout uh, even the rest of time, right? So we're thrilled that you're here, and I'm excited about this series, and I'm excited because it's about engagement. And so here at FAC, we use four different words that kind of define what it means to be fully engaged. And so the first one is we want people to connect in some type of small group community, right? Live life together. And second, we want you to serve either inside of FAC or beyond our walls. Next, we want you to give and be financially invested in the ministries of FAC so that we can make an impact eternally in the lives of people in the community. And then lastly, we want you to invite other people to come along. So connect, serve, give, and invite four really simple words, but four words that show a great impact. So those four words show that we can't be spectators in this life. And so that's why the series title is Beyond the Bleachers. We want everyone to live beyond the bleachers. We can't just watch this. And so I was really struck last week with what Marty said about giving, and he said, we are designed to give, we're going to give to something. If we don't give to God, we're going to give to something else. And so I think that that quote applies uh, everywhere, certainly last week, but certainly this week, and with serving and with inviting our next two series sermons. And so for us, As a congregation, we have to recognize we're going to give. And so have you ever had anyone give their life into your life? So Linda and I, my wife Linda and I, we certainly have. We've been here for 25 years and we've been in a group for 24 and a half years And they haven't always been the same group. Sometimes we've been in groups just ourselves. Sometimes we've been in in as a couple. And it's been an amazing and valuable time for us. True, authentic, real community where we get to live life with other people. And so maybe you think, yeah, I uh, can't do it right now because of this COVID thing. And I'll just say, we, we do, right? So we have a picture of, of our uh, community group. We'll throw that up there. And so our community group, there we are, meeting in Zoom and right in the middle of our, 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 our mini church leaders, right? Our community group leaders, made a mistake there, our community group leaders, Gene uh, and Kim Pargus, and they do a wonderful job. And I will say this, we are closer as a group now than we were a year ago before COVID started, right? So it's an amazing process that we get to be able to live life together like that and so we have been in groups as I said for the last 25 years and if you ask me are groups really important and I'll say yeah they're they're really important and I'll just give you an an example of why so I've shared this before but this is kind of from a different slant you know my mom died of pancreatic cancer about nine years ago and so they went in she just wasn't feeling well and so they went into the hospital the doctor said let's just go in and see what's going on and maybe we can make some some simple repairs and they went in the doctor discovered in surgery that she was just completely filled with cancer and they moved her from the recovery room right to hospice and so my dad as you can imagine called me that night with a, just a terrible call that no husband wants to ever make to his, to his son. No son ever wants to hear from his dad, right? Just a terrible call. And he said, you probably need to come down right away because the doctor is just not giving her many days at all. And so I reached out to a small group of guys that I was living life with, kind of in a small group at the moment. And I said, hey, this is what's going on. And I'm headed back to the office. It was a Sunday night just to clean up some things so that I could be prepared for the week so I could leave in an early morning flight the next day. And so I'm just sitting here in my office as a men's pastor at the time and, and, and just doing my work, trying to get ready. And these guys started showing up in my office late on a Sunday night. And there was a knock on the door and one of them walked in. And another knock, and another knock. And they didn't tell each other they were coming. They just showed up. And so I'm sitting there, and when the fourth one came in, I was so overwhelmed by their love and concern and compassion for me and the, lo- and the pending loss of my mom that I just started weeping. Just sitting at my desk weeping. And these guys got up, and they came over, and they put their arms around my heaving shoulders, and they prayed for me and one of the guys got down on his knees next to my chair and, and he wept with me and I mean wept with me I will never forget that moment it's nine years I'm still crying about it because it was so powerful And I never understood harmony in that moment. And so you think about Romans chapter 12, verses 15 and 16. It says, Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. And in that moment, they were living in perfect harmony with me. It was the same note. And it was a beautiful gift of their presence and of the gift of weeping that I had never experienced before. So if you ask me, is being in a small group really that important? Uh, yeah, it's really that it's really important. All right, so I'm already getting choked up. We're going to be here for a while. Okay, so that gets us to where we're going to start. The big idea of all of this is that we were designed to connect all the way back at the very beginning when God created this earth he said boy this looks good it is good and then he looked at Adam and he said "Mm, there's a gap there he's alone and I don't want him to be alone and so uh, Genesis chapter 2 verse 18 says God said it's not good for man to be alone I'll make a helper fit for him all right, so just a little sidebar for you husbands. This doesn't mean that your wife was created just to help you. Fold your clothes, right? Cook dinner for you. Actually, the word here is "ezer," and it means to complete you. So God said, uh, he's not going to make it alone. We got to do something here. And so he created Eve. And so, right, all the women said, yeah, can I get an amen for that, right? All the women agree with that, right? We're not going to make it if we're alone. And so God said, I don't want you to be alone. So right at the, big, right at the, excuse me, right at the beginning, we literally see that we are designed by God to be connected. We know that we're created in the image of God. And so I love what Pastor Glenn said two weeks ago when he said, the Trinity is a great picture of intimacy and connectedness. And so God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, they all work together as one in an intimate union with each other. And then God chose the connected nation of Israel to be his chosen people. And he led them into the promised land and he said, I'm going to give you these 12 sections of land and then I want you to live as a tribe connected in community in each one of those areas. I want you to stay together in community. And then there's this awesome story in one of the history books in the Old Testament where the prophet Elijah goes up against the 450 prophets of Baal, right? You remember this story? And so Elijah says, all right, it's time for a showdown. And he builds one altar over here with rocks and wood and lays a sacrifice on it. And then he builds another altar over here with rocks and wood and a sacrifice on it. And he says, whoever's God lights these sacrifices on fire without touching them, that is the one true God. And then he steps back and he says to the 450 prophets of Baal, go ahead, it's your turn. And so they spend the entire day trying to get their God, Baal, to light this wood, and they failed. And so Elijah walks over to his, and he says, All right, I don't want there to be any question about this, so go get water. And they dump gallons and gallons and gallons of water on top of the sacrifice and on top of the wood, and they dig a trench around and they fill the trench with water because he doesn't want there to be any question. And then he says, God, show them who the real God is. And God rains down fire from heaven, and he not only consumes the sacrifice and the wood and the water, he consumes the rocks of the altar. And God is declared to be the one true God. And then he says, all right, let's get rid of these 450 prophets of Baal, and he puts them to death in an amazing victory. You'd think, this guy's unconquerable. But just a couple days later, we find him hiding in a cave, scared to death that Queen Jezebel is going to kill him for what he just did. And he says, God, I love the reason why he can't make it. He says, God, I'm alone. I'm alone. I can't do this. It would be better for me to be dead than be alone. And God says a really powerful thing. He says, you're not alone. I saved a community of people for you. You're not alone. Go do the thing that I'm calling you to do. And he does. And so because he knew that he was connected, he goes out and he lives from where he is to where God wants him to be. He was connected in a really powerful way. And so that brings us to our first point. A connected individual changes lives. And so God knew that this would be really hard for us. And it's all over Scripture, especially in the book of Hebrews. And so I love Hebrews chapter 12. And we're just going to look at the first three verses. And we're really going to dig into them. And so this is what it says. Therefore... Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint hearted. I love that passage. And there's so many interesting phrases in that that we're going to dig in, we're going to unpack those 3 verses kind of word by word. So the first one is therefore. All right? And so when we think about therefore, the good question to ask, right, I remember this from when I was in Sunday school. It's a little kitschy, but still, it, it helps you remember. You ask the question, what's the therefore? Therefore. And then you go backwards until you find the answer. And so in this particular case, the therefore is pointing back to the people of great faith in Hebrews 11, and then pointing back a little bit further in Hebrews chapter 10 to the sacrifice that Jesus made. All right, so that's what the therefore is. Or the great cloud of witnesses. That's such an interesting phrase. And so this cloud of witnesses, you think, as the writer's describing this in the original language, he's, he's painting the picture of a stadium. So think about it. If, imagine if you were a Philadelphia Eagle and there's 60,000 screaming fans cheering just for you at Lincoln Financial Field. But these fans are a little bit different. They're all former NFL players that know exactly what it took for you to be in that space. Or imagine you're at the Metropolitan Opera House in New York City and you're about to sit down and play a concerto. And you look out in the audience and you realize that everyone in the audience is a master musician. And they understand the 10,000 hours that it took for you to sit in that seat as you're about to play right? That's what he is laying out here. We'll dig more into them in a second. Or lay aside every weight. You know, not everything is bad. Sometimes there are good things, but good things can get in the way. So imagine an Olympic skier, right, freezing at the top of the mountain, absolutely freezing. So she puts on a heavy, long coat to keep her warm. It's good to be warm. It's good to have a coat. But if she tries to ski in that coat, she is guaranteed to lose the race. So this means lay aside the weight that gets in the way. And it's different than the sin which clings so closely. And so here the writer is talking about, his language talks about the robes that men and women used to wear in this time. And the the hem of the robe would get tangled around their legs and it would affect their gait. And sin does the same thing to us. It tangles us up. It trips us up. And it affects our walk with the Lord. He's saying don't let that happen. And instead we should be looking to Jesus. I love the the NIV here. says fixing your eyes on Jesus. So last night I loved it. There was a couple sitting right there. And they had just gotten married. And so think about fixing your eyes the way that she, as a new bride, would have looked at her new husband as they stood at the altar in front of the pastor, getting married. Or maybe that doesn't land, so how about an MMA fighter who walks into the octagon and looks at his opponent and locks it in, and there might as well not be anyone else in the audience, right? An athlete might call this her game face, or I love what the prophet Isaiah says in Isaiah 50. He says, because the sovereign Lord helps me, I will not be disgraced. Therefore, I have set my face like flint and I know I will not be put to shame. Love that. And then we look to the founder and the perfecter. That's Jesus, the creator, who makes all things new and who for the joy set before him endured the cross. You see, he came to redeem humanity and creation. And it gave Him great joy to spend any expense of His own to redeem us for Himself. That is love. And because of that love, we should consider Him who endured the pain and trials that He went through. And so when it's just too hard when that temptation that we're so tempted to do, whatever it is, to click or to call or to buy or to sell or to drink or to smoke or whatever that temptation is, when it's just too great, or whatever that thing is that God is calling us to do and that sacrifice is just so much, and you say, God, it's going to cost me too much, then consider Him who endured. Think about Jesus. And I don't mean just think about Jesus. I literally think about it. Consider it. Consider the torture that he went through. Consider what it was like to carry his cross down the Via Dolorosa in Jerusalem with people yelling and screaming and spitting on him, punching him. Imagine what it was like for him to lay down on the cross And for them to drive spikes into his hands and spikes into his feet and then stand that cross up, essentially naked, completely humiliating, and be dropped into a hole in the worst form of death that Rome could invent. With a crown of thorns pressed into his head and a sword pressed into his side. And so when you think you can't go on The writer is saying, think about that. Dwell on that when life gets hard. Because you can do it. And so, maybe you're sitting here and you say, okay, Eric, you don't know my life. You don't know my past. Other people know my past, or maybe nobody else knows your past, and there's just stuff and junk and garbage in there that you say, God can't use this And so that's why it's important to look back at this cloud of witnesses in Hebrews 11. Because this cloud of witnesses is filled with people who have lived it. Joseph was in jail for years. Isaac took one of his sons and threw him out of the house and left him in the desert to die. Jacob was a con artist. Rahab was a prostitute and a traitor to the point where she betrayed her nation and her nation was overthrown Moses killed a man and buried him in the sand so nobody would find out Samson was a total womanizer David looks over the roof that he's on to another roof sees a woman and says yeah go get me her Gets her pregnant, perhaps against her will. And then has her husband killed to cover it all up. So, just to review. If you've ever been in jail. If you've ever slept around. If you've ever been drunk. If you've ever raged in anger. If you've ever cheated or stole or lied, which I'll just say, I don't know all of your stories, but I'm going to pretty much put us all in here, and I'll say I'm on there for a whole lot of reasons. Then we are all in great company of the people of great faith who God used to promote and push his gospel forward. Love it. I love their impact. So that's the cloud of witnesses. So I'll just read a little bit more so we, just so we see what these people did. In verse 32 of chapter 11, And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. These connected people changed lives. Therefore since we are part of their lineage, because we are part of their community, now let us lay down everything that weighs us down, the sin that so easily entangles us, and run the race that God is calling us to run. And at the end of that, it says, in the end of verse three, it says, don't grow weary or faint-hearted. Why does it say that? Because God knows that we will be weary and faint-hearted. And so he's saying, no, I created you to build community and have an impact, so don't give up. Don't give up. Don't ever give up. That's what God is calling us to do. So imagine with me if we all did this. What if we all did this together and as individuals? What if we said, I'm not going to let that thing, good or bad, stop me anymore from what God is calling me to do? Or imagine if for all of us as a church, we started to live in a way that we would make this impact so significant that we would look at God and we would be so focused on what he was calling us to do that we say, it is all worth it. I mean, think about verse 37 again. They were flogged, they were imprisoned, they were killed, they were tortured. And then it says an amazing statement, the world was not worthy of them. I love that. And so I just want to stop here before we go into the second point, and I just want to pray for us. Let me just pray. God, help us to be worthy of these people's lives, the way that we live our lives. Help us to be so focused on you that we say, yeah, whatever it is you're calling me to give up, either something good or something sinful, that I'll give it up for you, Lord. God, I pray that for our staff. I pray that for our volunteers. I pray that for our leaders. I pray that for every man and woman in this room. Lord, I pray that for our next generation, the kids that are over on the other side, that they grow up understanding that the cost to follow you is worth it. Lord, I pray for our teenagers who just run through a challenge. I can only imagine what it's like to be a teenager right now. So many temptations, so many things that easily distract, that they would look at you and say, whatever it takes, God, I will do this thing. For our college students, as they live away from home or they live at home, Lord, that they would take this age from 18 to 22, 23, 24, and they would just invest it in you and lay a foundation from which they can leap in the future. God, we pray these things in your holy name. Amen. All right, so, so point two, right? So if we look at how a connected individual changes lives, then a connected community makes an impact. So I was at a conference a few years ago and there was a speaker there named Sky Jethani. He wrote a great book called Wish. And so his whole design and talk was all about how we need to reimagine how we connect with God. And to do this, we should be asking different questions. And so he shared this story. He has a son named Isaac who has a frightening love for sugar to the point where he's really concerned. And so one time, they were at a baseball game, a minor league baseball game, and his son dropped his funnel cake on the ground. And so they picked up the funnel cake, but they were so concerned, or or Isaac was so concerned that he missed some of the sugar that he lay down on his stomach, and he began licking the concrete. Right? It's terrible he loves sugar and he loved it that much that he didn't he was willing to go to any extent to make sure that not a drop was missed so Skye asked his son one time he said hey Isaac do you want some creme brulee and Isaac said no that's disgusting and he said okay hey Isaac do you want vanilla pudding covered in sugar and cooked with a blowtorch and Isaac said oh absolutely that sounds awesome And he said, well, son, that's creme brulee. He just changed the question. And I think for us as a church, we can often ask the wrong question. So if I say, hey, do you want to be connected in a small group? Uh, You might go, "Uh, yeah, no. No, now you don't understand my life. My my kids play 17 sports. We have piano lessons that night. Or I have to be up early in the office that morning. That doesn't work. Or Saturday mornings, we always sleep in. Or that's my night to watch WandaVision, just doesn't work for us. Or I'm on a team, we practice right then. Or, and we just go down the list of all the different reasons of why we can't be in a community. But if we change the question, we might get a different result. So if the question is, you have one life to live, do you want to live it with a group of people that together? will make an impact on someone else that will affect them for eternity? Do you want to live a life with a group of people that you create such deep and intimate relationships that they will walk through every single high with you and every deep and dark valley that you ever go through? Do you want to join our group? Right? See, that's That's the question. And that's what we need to live out. All right, so I want everyone here and at home, just close your eyes for a moment. Don't fall asleep. Close your eyes. And I want you to, I'm going to help paint a scene for you. So imagine it's the spring. The leaves are starting to come out on the trees. And you're in the woods on a hike either alone or with your favorite person or people you pick and you're walking down this trail and you come upon a tree in the midst of a grove of trees that has kind of fallen over the trail and maybe the roots are up a little bit and it's leaning on another tree all right everybody have that kind of image all right go ahead open your eyes again all right so for me that's a picture of a healthy community Because if it's not for those other trees that have caught that tree, that tree uproots, hits the ground, dies, and at best is cut up for firewood. It is truly a crash and burn story. But in a healthy community, in a healthy forest, that tree never makes it to the ground. In a healthy community, we never let the person that we're in life with make it to the ground. Our roots might be up a little bit, but they're still engaged. We're leaning against something else, but our leaves are still coming out. We still are bearing the fruit that that we were made to build, but we're leaning into the strength of other trees and other people. And it's such a great image of what a healthy community is. And so I love, in the book of Acts, it points out what the early church community is. And to me, It doesn't mention trees, but it just reminds me of that grove of trees. And so this is what it says in Acts chapter 2. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers, and awe came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles, and all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had needs." And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. That's a picture of a healthy community. I love it. And we have so many images of this healthy community here at FAC. We have lived out this healthy community at FAC. My wife and I as a family, I'll just share one story. Years ago, my wife really struggled with Lyme disease to the point where in the dark of night, I didn't know if she was gonna survive. It was really that bad. And there was a three-year period that it just got worse and worse and worse. And it made its way into her spinal column and into her brain, and the doctors could not figure out how to get rid of it. And you walked with us. You as a church walked with us through this. And so I was here working as a men's pastor and, and raising four little kids, trying to care for my wife who just continued to diminish in front of me. And her muscles didn't work and her brain didn't work. And the, uh, in the worst days, she would sleep for 20 hours She couldn't pick up her feet. She shuffled everywhere and she slurred her speech and sometimes didn't know her name. It was that bad. And the only gift to my wife was that the sicker she got, the less she knew she was sick. That was what was going on. And you walked with us through this. She got rushed to the emergency room one time from our home in the middle of this And I called a friend, and our friend beat the ambulance to our house. There were other times that that you cleaned our house for us. Or you picked up our kids and said, Hey, we're going to take your kids to the amusement park today so that you can just care for Linda. Or there were times that you cooked for us, and... I mean, cooked for us, right? Six straight months we went without having to cook a meal. And a different family, a different family showed up at our house almost every single day for six months. Do you know how many hundreds of hours it takes to cook for a family of six for six months? But you did it. You never let us hit the ground. We leaned into you for strength and you carried us. Thank you. Okay, so that's just the impact on one family. And I tell you because that's what we live. But this impact happens all the time here at FAC. So whether it's a small group of men who say, hey, there's a guy who needs our help and they restore him physically and emotionally and mentally and spiritually and, and put him back on his feet. Or if it's uh, fresh hope for women who, in terms of a cloud of witnesses, there are women who said, I have lived where you are and I know what it's like to be a single mom, so I will walk through this with you. Or if it's like our care center and food pantry where we have men and women who say, yeah, we are going to help these people in community with the food that they need or the care that they need or their understanding of how it is to budget so they don't get into challenging financial times again or help them find a job or even put clothes on their backs. See, this is where the giving goes to ministries like this so that we can live in a healthy community and keep people from hitting the ground. I love it. So there's this great quote uh, from this Greek philosopher named Aristides. And so Aristides, in the second century, watched what the early church was doing. The early church that we talked about in Acts chapter 2, well, a philosopher and theologian looked at this and said, I've got to tell the emperor about this. And so he writes a letter explaining what this early church is like to Caesar Hadrian. So this is what it says, and I'll read this, and then at the end of this, I'm going to ask you a hard question. It says this, "'But Christians show kindness to those near them, and whenever they are judges, they judge uprightly. They do good to their enemies. If one of them have bondsmen and bondswomen or children, through love toward them, they persuade them to become Christians. And when they have done so, they call them brethren without distinction.'" They do not worship strange gods, and they go their way in all modesty and cheerfulness. Falsehood is not found among them, and they love one another. And he who has gives to him who has not without boasting. When they see a stranger, they take him into their own homes and rejoice over him as a very brother. And if they hear that one of their number is imprisoned or afflicted on account of the name of their Messiah, all of them anxiously minister to his necessity." If there is any among them that is poor and needy and they have no spare food, they fast two or three days in order to supply to the needy their lack of food. Oh, such king is their manner of life. And verily, this is a new people and there is something divine in the midst of them. And that is a quote we need to read every single day. They were known for something. They were known for Jesus being in the midst of them with such power that they lived their lives differently. So let me ask you that hard question. What are you known for? You think about you sitting here, man, woman, teenager, younger person. What are you known for? And maybe you're not sure about what you're known for, so I'll just give you a little test. Think about your last 10 Instagram posts or the last 10 things you said on Facebook. Are you known as a Republican? Are you known as a Democrat? Are you known as a foodie? Do you try to get people to like your sunsets? Or maybe you say... uh, It doesn't work for me. I'm not on social media. Okay. How about the last 10 conversations you had with your neighbor? Or the last 10 things you said to your daughter-in-law or your mother-in-law? Or the last 10 things you said to your coach or your classmate? What are you known for? Because these people were known to have something divine in the midst of them. You see we all want it to be different and we only get one life to do it and we want to help you here at FAC you know we have people in groups that are ready to receive you right now you can be in a group by the end of the day or maybe you say you know what I I don't want to be in a group I actually want to lead a group on our website we take you through three quick steps that are simple you can start a group with your neighbors or with your families or with your classmates or your co-workers right engaging with people where you live or work or study or play like those are awesome ways and we can help you immediately Maybe you say, yeah, COVID, I can't do it. It just, I can't do a Zoom call like you do, Eric. or, Or I just don't know these people. I don't want to meet people like this online. Okay. Then we can give you a list of people. You can just call on the phone, ask them two simple questions. Hey, how are you doing? And how can I pray for you? Right? I'm from FAC. And I just want to care for you however I can. Or... You can write a card to your neighbor or you can, there's just so many different things that you can do. So just think about that. All right, so the team is out here and they're gonna lead us through this song called God of Revival. And the lyrics are unbelievable because we need revival. And I talked earlier about harmony and the way that those men lived in harmony. And so you'll hear some, everybody has beautiful voices, you'll hear some incredible harmony. And so think about the harmony of their voices, but think about the harmony of all of our hearts here in this room, online, at home. The more we harmonize together horizontally with each other, the more we harmonize vertically with God. And so... When they're done singing, when we're all done singing together, I'll come back and just share one piece of scripture. Romans 15 says, May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another, in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. God, I just pray your anointing over our church that we can live in one voice in community and in perfect harmony with each other and with you, that we would make such a powerful impact in the community and world around us, Lord. Lord, help us to cast aside all of the good things and all of the sin that we're so tempted to live out. And let us run a race of power in your name. Always looking to you, Jesus. In your holy name we pray. Amen. God bless you. Have a great rest of the week.